Hi, I'm Tracy Matthews. I'm the Chief Visionary Officer of Flourish and Thrive Academy. I help creative visionaries make more money by being more creative. And you're listening to the Inspiration Place Podcast. This episode is sponsored by The Artist Incubator. It's my small group coaching program where I can help you take your art business to the next level. Just imagine what it would feel like to easily be able to build your business and sell your art. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 59 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, we're talking about why it's important to be a creative visionary of your art business. It's not all about writing emails or making the art, but actually creating a vision for where you want to take your collectors and take your art business. So in this episode, you'll discover why it's important for artists and businesses to spend more time thinking about their business and being creative in that way, how you successfully run an art business, which requires doing things that you might dislike or not be good at, or maybe it's just how to delegate them. And what's the difference between a struggling artpreneur and a successful visionary. Today's guest is a jewelry designer, entrepreneur, and mentor to creative visionaries and the host of the top-rated Thrive by Design podcast. Her jewelry and story have been featured in InStyle, L, US Weekly, Real Simple, Martha Stewart Weddings, Entrepreneur, and The Today Show. As the Chief Visionary Officer of Flourish and Thrive, she helps other jewelry brands launch, grow, and scale profitable jewelry businesses. Over the years, she's inspired creative thinkers to use their innate gifts to grow their business. At Creatives Rule the World, she helps creative visionaries of entrepreneur companies to spend more time in their creative zone of genius, inspire and lead their teams and increase their profits. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Tracy Matthews. I am so excited to be here, Miriam. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming, Tracy. I'm so thrilled to have you. The reason I wanted to have you on, as I mentioned when we had lunch last week, you've actually been on my radar for a very long time. (laughs) I can't believe the reason I was on your radar, though. Well, yeah. now we have to tell people. <laughs> okay, I, we're not going to mention any names because I don't do that. But I basically joined this online business coaching program that was just a little bit shady. He who will not be named person leading it pretty much just provided week by week the same things that you could download for free off of everyone's site. And then it was opportunities to join his affiliate links to their programs. And you're one of them. <laughs> so, and apparently, 
paid for my freebie, but <laughs> yes, exactly. And apparently you told me that this was one of your top affiliates. So that strategy seemed to be working for this person. So, oh my God, so funny. Yeah. So I've known about you for a while, but I'm really actually interested in, in where you're going now. Cause I know for a long time, you've been very specific in helping jewelry businesses grow that and teaching them how to brand. But now you're starting to move into something, or maybe you've been moving into something more general. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I, I still think it's specific, but it's just serving a different need to a broader audience besides just jewelry designers. So I started my career in the jewelry industry in the 90s, had a, my own collection. I sold to stores. I sold to private collectors and individuals. And now I have a, a custom jewelry business where I sell and design fine jewelry for private clients. I kind of have this like robust understanding of what it's like, like from an artist perspective of like what it would be like to sell the galleries, but also having a direct to consumer private collector type of business, because that's exactly what I do now. And over the course of my time as an entrepreneur, because that's how I identify myself, even though I'm an artist first, I am interested in growing businesses. And so I identify as that. I realized that because I am so creative, I've had unique challenges in growing businesses. I felt a lot of shame because I didn't feel like I was good at building a business. And my first business, I actually burned to the ground in the Great Recession of 2008. And as I've grown Flourish and Thrive Academy, and I'm launching Creatives Rule the World and several other businesses that I also work on, I noticed that the same things started coming up. And you know, one of the reasons why I feel like my first business failed is because I had lost a passion for my business because I was doing all the businessy things that sucked my creative energy and or that I was not very good at. And when I did that, and when I was spending most of my time doing those things, I basically lost creativity. I lost my passion for my business. And I kind of almost in a way lost the will to kind of even keep it going. And so when I was hit with a hard time, you know, or declining recession, store closures and bankruptcies coming at me left and right, it became really hard to fight for something that I was just kind of over. And I know just in speaking with my other friends who have similar personality types, mentoring, you know, tens of thousands of creatives at this point, that this is not something that is unique to me. This is a universal problem. What I really dialed it down to was a lack of time as your business grows. Because if you're an artpreneur or artist in business, you still have to be thinking like a business person to grow your business. It's really about understanding how to navigate your unique working style and the way that you work best while growing a business and really stepping into the role of what I like to call creative visionary of your company so that you're leading rather than like being in the weeds all the time. Mm. You know, I know from my own experience that when you can spend or when you know how to spend your time in the right way, being creative and, and have an ability to protect that creativity, that your business will grow and scale and thrive. The times when you feel like your business is kind of shrinking or backsliding or you're bored or just really having a rough time, like kind of moving forward, then it's time to take a a check-in at what what you're doing and how you're kind of showing up for your business. Because more than likely, 
you're getting too stuck in the weeds and you're not focusing on working on your business. Let's, let's pause for a minute. Let me, I, just, I know like you're giving so much information and I want to just break it down a little bit because you said some really interesting things here. So yes. first of all, let's define what you mean by creative visionary because I know that there's a lot of artists in there arguing like, well, what is she talking about? Does she mean making more paintings? And I know some, from our conversation, that's not quite what you meant by that. So can you define that for everybody listening? Creativity is like the ultimate gift. In fact, if you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when you get to that point of self-actualization, which is at the very top of that triangle, creativity is one of the highest points of like having an elevated self. I call them creative visionaries. I read a book a couple years ago called Rocket Fuel. And when I was reading that book, I started crying. I hadn't realized that I was a visionary and visionaries are, are considered people who have these big picture ideas that literally change the world in one way, shape or form. Anyone who is creative, I feel like can step into that role if they want to, but it really means that you are an idea person. You're someone who's, who's got these gifts that no one else has that need to be brought into the world. And when you bring those gifts into the world, and you're able to share like your vision for growth with others around you and get people to buy in on that, that's where great things start to happen and great companies are founded. Let's and give our listeners a few like examples of that. So like I might have a creative idea, oh, I want to paint whatever, a series of drafts. I'm just saying that because there's a giraffe behind me. But <laughs> being a creative visionary, there might be like the time of thinking about, okay, I'm imagining creating an art class that's about painting the zoo. Is that would be an example, you think, of something that's being a visionary of something I'm going to build for my business rather than just thinking about what products you're going to create? I just want to make sure people yeah. understand the difference. Well, I think it comes into a lot of things because like, First, vision starts with products. Like if you look at big companies like Apple, I mean, I know this is an art business, but no, it's a great start, example. Yeah. It has to start with your products, right? Like yeah. Apple was, you know, Steve Jobs, when he like really came onto the scene, he had so many innovative ideas. Some of them failed like those things. If you ever watch the movies, there's things you never probably even heard of that he was developing. And then it was like one big thing, the iPhone, first iPod, and then the iPhone that really took the world by storm and revolution the way that we even communicate and you know we have basically walk around with many computers all day so it has to start with the product first you have to have an idea or something to sell in order for it to work being in the role of visionary is like visionaries spend most of their time usually thinking about not only the great products and services that you offer but how to get them in front of people how to sell them they are the ones who are developing the big relationships and so if you're an artist who doesn't like to sell this is why stepping into your role as visionary becomes really powerful because everyone wants to meet the artist. And the best example from the art world that I can think of in contemporary times is a friend of mine. Her name's uh, Ashley Longshore. She's been a guest on the show, by the way. I think she's episode like number one or number two. Oh my God. She's so amazing. She was on my podcast too. And the, the girl is like a rock star. And, you know, she was someone who was doing these weird paintings back in the day when no one was really paying attention, but she believed in herself and kept developing her body of work. She hit on something with the Audrey paintings that she was doing and then started really expanding into like crazy pop culture stuff and just kept moving forward. And then she was the one who kept, you know, creating this personality around her brand and coming up with these ideas, like crazy ideas. Like I want to do a collaboration with anthropology. I want to do a collaboration with Bergdorf Goodman. 
getting herself placed in all these high profile things, all while never going the traditional gallery route. Now that's a visionary because her idea of selling art had nothing to do with doing what every other artist does. It's about innovation. It's about thinking outside of the box and it's about creating a product that is saleable, but also crazy at the same time that people really resonated with. And now, you know, hopefully you all know who she is and you're following her on Instagram, but like, she's just like herself. I mean, she just posted a job description and the F-bomb was like, did you see that job description? Yeah, I did. There was like 10 F-bombs in the, the job description. And it was so funny because she was really specific about what she's looking for. And she's like, I'm not looking for some lazy person who doesn't want to work. Like, you got to work hard. You got to be like fast. You got to come up with great ideas. You're working with me. I'm a baller. And like, that's what we're going to do. And so it's really about, in a way, showing up as unequivocally yourself, but also using that creative energy that you have to focus on business strategy, business direction, the way you're getting your products out there and how you're reaching your customers. One thing that if we can just break down Ashley Longshore for a moment, since she yeah. is a great example of like what you said, this artist slash entrepreneur, is she actually is creating this whole brand personality yes. that goes beyond, like people say brand, they think it's, oh, it's the colors and the font on your site. It's really not about the color and the font. It's about creating this whole icon status. Yep. Faceless brands are dying, guys. Like if you want to hide behind your art, like if you want to hide behind the easel, you'll have a lot harder time selling on merits. I honestly think Ashley's art is amazing, but I think she's so successful because she's in the front of the brand and people think she's nuts and they love her. You're buying a piece of that. Like people buy art because they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. That three levels of buying. There's the buying of they just want the thing. Like, okay, they need what a jeweler, they just want a you know, a wedding band, or they just want something for over the sofa. But then there is the who is creating it and they want a part of that. Like we buy a song or we see a movie by Lady Gaga, we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's really what we're attracted to. It's not just the two-dimensional look of what it is you're creating. That is exactly why I sing Lady Gaga every time I'm at karaoke. I know, you know, I've mentored jewelry designers up until this point primarily. And now I'm working with like with more visionary types of all sorts of disciplines these days. But from my experience, just working with jewelry designers and jewelry makers, I know that there's a lot of like a lot of artists are shy. And you know, like many of our jewelry designers, they don't identify necessarily as designers. They really identify as artists and they use the same terminology that artists do, like they're seeking collectors, not customers. They're seeking people who will be their true fan base. And like, really, that is the core of how you build a business for the long term. And it's really about being able to connect with the right people who are going to be your biggest brand advocates and celebrators of what you do. And so if you can do that and really create that personal connection with them by, you know, becoming more of the face of your brand, like you have such a bigger opportunity to continue to grow. And I'm going to use the word scale. I mean, in an art business, like that terminology might be thought of differently. But, you know, if we want to bring this back to Ashley, like the one thing that I really admire her for is she is a prolific painter. Like I've seen her in action and that girl works fast. Like she can really paint quickly. And this was years ago. Like I haven't seen her in person painting probably in like, 10 years. And back then she was like, she could whip out paintings like that because she's just so, she's really honed in her craft. And I think that's why she's been able to build this 
multi-million dollar, I'm going to call her a gajillion dollar brand now. <laughs> yeah. No, she's, she's a, she's a seven comma mama. Yeah. For sure. I would, I would say even probably is training apprentices like some of the great artists did. Yeah, she does. Here is a very good example of with the art, she creates the vision of what the art should be. And she actually works with a designer to help her lay out some of the mechanical pieces of that. She doesn't do every little thing herself. So, I mean, this is something I'm sure, Tracy, that you, when you work with clients, tell them that they don't need to be the one you know, packaging up, you know, lovingly packaging the thing for the client to ship it in the mail. There are definitely certain aspects of our business that do not need to be done by us. This kind of weaves into the other part of being able to protect your creativity. It's to really be able to own your strengths and your strengths go way beyond just creating the art. And I think that as artists, we want to make the excuse to ourselves like, oh, I'm an artist, like I'm not good at those things. But if you really sat down to think about what your strengths as a business owner, as an artpreneur, whatever you want to call yourself as an artist, it goes beyond just your modality of craft, right? It goes way beyond that. And there's so many things that you're really good at, but there's also things that you aren't good at or that, you know, for instance, I think a lot of creative types think that they're not good at sales, which I really want to argue that it's really about training yourself how to be good at sales. There are some that probably aren't that great at sales, but anytime I would ever speak to, I mean, cause I've sold, I've been selling products, my own products for years and years and years. I used to try and lean back. Like, I just want to get a sales rep or, you know, in the art world case, like a, a gallery to represent me, but no one's ever going to be as invested in selling your pieces as you. And that's why you become your number one salesperson. And that's why also why so many consumers of or collectors of your work really want to buy from the artist. They want to know you. They want to have that, like we were talking about with Ashley, that little piece of her. They want to get to know the person behind the brand. And the more that you can show who you are, the easier it is to sell. And with that being said, that doesn't mean like if you're spending, like when you want to really grow your business, finding hacks and ways to shorten your time doing the stuff that you don't, the lower leverage stuff that you don't need to do is like the first thing that you need to get off the plate, like shipping up a piece of art to send out to a consumer, probably not the most highly leveraged thing that you could do to make money. Because as creative visionaries and people in business, our ultimate goal is to try to maximize our time working on the most high leverage creative tasks that are actually going to move the needle and grow our revenue. And then the other thing is there's some things that you may be good at that you still shouldn't be doing. Yes. Like one thing that just happened to me recently. So I'm launching, you know, by the time this airs, it will already be in the rear view mirror. But I'm, right now, as we're recording, I'm launching a new art class, my Watercolor Portrait Academy. And I do my own Facebook ads because I've been good at it. But the other night, there were all these different, the interface completely changed. There's these different settings. And because I don't do that on a regular basis, I hadn't stayed up to date on it. So all of a sudden I realized, gosh, I should really be having somebody else do this for me. Even though I know how to do it, I probably shouldn't be the one doing it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, it's sort of like I'm a great copywriter and I love writing, but I just don't like it's not the most highest leverage use of my time. And I do write a lot of stuff, but it's like if I can hire someone for X amount, is that what I want to be 
first of all, making an hour. Like that's how I always think about it. Yeah. And yes, there is an expense to investing that kind of money and hiring someone else to do it. But also, will that free up my time so that I can do all these other things, you know, so that I can focus on the things that are actually going to grow the business faster instead of spending time doing something that many other people can do and probably a lot more quickly than I can. So even if you're good at it, if it's not something that is like the most high leverage, those are the things you should be getting off your plate. Circle back for people who are listening who probably don't run Facebook ads or need copywriters. So yeah. there's lots of things like whether it's entering stuff on Etsy or scheduling your Instagram posts. There's tons of things that if you could teach somebody else to do it, then yes. clearly you don't need to be the one doing it. And there's probably a teenager in your neighborhood who would love to have an art internship, whether you pay them or not, to do these things. I mean, personally, I always like to pay them because there's accountability when you pay somebody and they show 100%. up. Yeah, I, I never did the free intern route, but I've certainly had a lot of high school and college students work for me over the years, and they are very grateful to have the job and, and the work. And I was always happy not to have to, to do stuff. I always like to think about it because one of the things in our community... With jewelry, it's a little bit different because art, probably most of the pieces are kind of like one of a kind in a way. So like that has to be created. But in the jewelry industry, you can design a product line once and then document how it's made and someone else can actually make it. Well, and I never even thought of that. Yeah. And typically, for, for us, it's the prints. Like there is a yeah. lot, a lot of my sales that come in on my website and Etsy are prints and I absolutely don't have to be the one to print it out on the computer and exactly. write that up. Like maybe I'll sign it, but that's all I have to do. Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of thing is one thing that I teach my people to do. It's like, they don't like hearing it, but if you really want to grow and reach the kind of revenue that they're, they're saying that they want to reach, there's only so much like your two hands can do. So what are you spending your most time on? And is that something someone else could do for $25 an hour or $30 an hour versus you maybe wanting to make like, I'd like to get to a place where I'm making like thousands of dollars an hour. You know what I mean? So that you're focusing on those things that only you can do, not the things that you can train someone else to do. And eventually set up systems and get those in place so that you're moving in that direction. Okay, so to get there, you always suggest that people should spend time thinking about these things and being creative. How do you suggest people do that? Is it journaling? Is it spending time by themselves? Is it being part of a community? How would you advise someone to get those juices flowing? Yeah, well, I mean, all those things are great. I think the most important thing is that you learn how to really leverage your time in the best possible way. The biggest hack that I have for us running three businesses right now. And it's a known fact that as the founder, visionary, CEO, artist in chief, whatever you want to call yourself, you will always be the biggest bottleneck in your company unless you're able to remove yourself. <laughs> and if you want to grow, like you have to do certain things to remove yourself. And there's a couple ways to do this. I learned this exercise from a guy named Ari Mizell. He has a company called Replaceable Founder. The goal, I think, of every person who is in business, whether you're an artist or someone doing something else completely, a course creator, whatever it is, is to be able to make money even when you're not working. Would you agree, Miriam? Yeah. Because we want to be able to make money. And so in, your, in the art world, maybe that's having like a really robust print business where 
even if people aren't buying your original artwork because you're taking some time off from painting, you can have those things selling on autopilot, getting them out the door without you having to do something. Well, in order to be able to do that, it requires you to be able to replace yourself at some point. So I did this exercise with my team and it starts with listing out 20 things that you do every day and then taking those 20 things and basically circling 14 things on that list that you want to stop doing and then figuring out an order of delegation. So you would list that number them from one to 14 and then from there figuring out when you're going to get those off your plate and then coming up with a delegation plan. Like, is it that you're going to hire an intern? Is it that you're just going to not do it anymore completely? Is it that you're going to delegate it to your assistant or whatever it might be? And then from there, add seven high leverage things that you want to add to your list that you'd like to start doing. And th these are usually like the bigger projects that you never get to. Maybe it's, you know, the, the new painting series that you've been putting off because you haven't been able to create the time. And so those things are like basically the goalposts and the guiding light of like where you move forward. And I'm using this example that Ari gave us just because I've been doing this for years, but just in a different way. It's like, where are you going next? Always thinking about how you're evolving. The next thing that I think is really powerful in order to protect your creativity is to be able to structure your week. As creative types, and Miriam, you tell me, are the people in your community do they think that because they're creative, they're just going to like show up to their day all a little bit loosey goosey or is it that they're creating like solid structure and know exactly what they're going to do every single day of the week? I'm the only structured artist you'll find. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And that's probably why you're thriving. Creatively. Yeah. This is what I, when I work with clients, this is why they come to me is because they are loosey goosey. They need structure. They have a lot of fear and doubt about being able to build a business. So I'm like, Here's the plan. And I'm able to like show them how to build a structure around it. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree with you that a lot of them are not naturally able to build those types of structure in their life. Structure, I think is if you want to be a creative force of nature and really be like making a lot more money and building a business and getting more of your art out there, you have to have structure in your week and in every single day of the week. Each day might look differently. But like, I like to call it theme days. So you have certain days of the week for certain things. As a business owner, you're probably going to have to take a lot of calls. Like if you accept calls every single day of the week, then you're going to be setting yourself up for disaster because like if you're having to start and stop all the time to pick up the phone, like in the middle of the day, right when you're in a flow, it's going to be really disruptive to your day. And even with this podcast, what my listeners don't know, but Tracy, you know yes. that when you went to book it, the there's only two days a week that I allow people to book podcasts. It's Monday and Thursday night. That's it. Because if, if it was whenever there was an opening in my calendar, that would be, dis like you said, that would be disaster to like stop what I'm doing and to put myself in that mode of, okay, I have to be entertaining now. I can't be introverted, Miriam. I have to be podcast host, Miriam. So, yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then that requires you to protect your calendar. It's like almost like you're the guardian of your calendar because you're going to want to break the rules you can't break the rules. You got to stick to it. And I break the rules sometimes, but it's really important to try and be like super strict about the time because what we're all trying to do as artists and creative thinkers and creative visionaries is to have more time being creative, right? Yeah. If you're always switching gears, it's hard to be creative because creativity requires space. So the next thing I like to do is to time block your days with the exception of a creative day. Time blocking just means like 
basically the time on your calendar is blocked out with a specific activity or a task or whatever it might be. Head on over to creativesrolletheworld.com forward slash VC. There's more information on the visionary code download that I offered. Sure, that's in the in the show notes as well. So you can grab a link to that. Time blocking is really important. So if you block out like 45 minutes to 90 minute blocks of time to focus on a specific thing, you will get a lot more done. And here's one example of that. A lot of people put like press and sales activities on the back burner, mm-hmm. like the exposure activities that are going to actually get people finding them. They get busy and then the day's over and they're not focused on that. So those are really specific things that can be placed like every day before noon or whenever you're most productive or like maybe three days a week, you're going to be focusing only on PR and only on sales activities that are going to get more exposure for your brand. And this leads into the next thing, which is really about, I prefer the mornings and I really think most people should be working on this in the mornings or the first part of their day when they're working. Because if you put it towards the end of the day, oftentimes it gets like scooted off to the side But the first two to three hours of your working days should be focused on business development. That's how you can really make a maximum impact quickly. And there was a CEO of this company called Alex and Ani, and he would spend, he grew that company from $4 million jewelry company to like 300 million or something along those lines in three or four years by only doing this one thing, turning everything off, only picking up the phone or answering emails if it was directly related to business development only. And the company scaled very quickly. But then there's one caveat because if you're not if you're not a morning person and you're not productive in the morning, then I would that's the only time I would say do it at a different time. But your most productive time of the day should be focused on the biggest responsibilities that you have to get done. And you should start with the, the most daunting task first. And I know that sounds like stressful. But the more you can get that out of the way, the easier it is to kind of get the little things off your plate. And then when you wake up in the morning, and I'm sure, Miriam, you talked about this because you I think you said something about a morning routine earlier. But think about like how you can thoughtfully start your day, plan out your day, have a morning routine. Maybe it's journaling or sketching or something in the morning to kind of get your juices flowing. And do the same thing or at least try to every single morning so that you're in that creative flow. I just want to like reiterate something you just said. Way before I had a podcast, way before I was doing online classes, when I was like what many people are doing, just solopreneurs selling my art online, and that was all I did. I did exactly what Tracy is recommending you do. I would have my morning routine. I would spend then a few hours working on business stuff, whether that's updating Etsy, updating my website. We didn't have as much social media back then, but you know whatever needed to be done with the computer. And what's nice about that structure is that then you have lunch and then it feels like your art is your dessert. So yeah. you don't have to worry when you're creating the art about other stuff that you have to do because you've already done it. So, so I love better. that. Art is the dessert. I love it. And then the other thing that I highly recommend, and this is like what I'm an advocate for, and I hope someday I'm known for this, but it's really about having one day a week that is called a creative day. And that is a day that you get to focus on any big project, anything that you're creating, take time to like really think. Because what happens when you're building a business is that you're doing, 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 going, 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 all the things. And then you never really have time to work on the big picture strategy. And if you're a visionary, 
you need time and space to be able to think about those bigger things that you're trying to create. I know that all successful people, they have maybe their own way of doing this. They create the space for themselves and it has to be, oftentimes it's like forced. Like they have to almost force themselves to do it. And so what I like to recommend is to take one day a week, and I'm doing this with some of my team members, the core team members who are in charge of developing certain areas of Flourish and Thrive Academy, where they have a creative day where it's they aren't interrupted by anything else. It's only focused on the bigger projects or idea generation or the things that they need to move forward. And I mean, this could be your time to really focus on like, you know, coming up with the, what did you call it? The draft of a new series that you're going to put out of artwork or something like that. Or coming up with ideas for distribution channels for your art or developing strategy and ideation beyond behind like maybe the launch of a new collection or the launch or promotion strategy that you want to get out there or working on like three-year vision for your company. Like all these things are good examples of like what you might do on creative day, but it's also a time and place to go get inspiration. So if you need to get that like infusion of your energy sucked and you need to go to a museum or something like that or, or learn something new, this is your time to do that. Tracy, remember like 20 years ago, Julia Cameron came out with that book, The Artist Way? Yeah, I think I read it back then. Yeah, so she talks about having an artist date. It sounds very similar to what you're talking about, how it's just a date. It's not like a play date. It's not a date with a girlfriend. It's really a date each week that you make with yourself so to protect that time to think. I know this is not unique to her or to you, but like Bill Gates also builds into his schedule having think weeks. I know that's something that other CEOs, and if we are artists, we are all really CEOs of, of our art businesses. So CEOs of the art businesses. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you need the space and you need the time. And as your business grows, you know, one of the just common things that happens with highly creative people who are ambitious and motivated and want to grow a business and make money is that they keep moving forward, keep moving forward, building a business, building a business. And the business side of things becomes a little stressful and hard. And it starts to zap your creative energy. And that creativity is the one thing that will continually year over year, time after time, be the thing that actually makes you money. So you have to protect it. And so it's really important. And it's also real important to be able to think creatively about our businesses because they continue to evolve and change because the world continues to evolve and change. I mean, like we talked about 10 years ago, did we have Instagram 10 years ago? No, we're not right. 10 years. (laughs) We had eBay. All people, you know, it was so easy to make money 10 years ago is because the only thing people don't remember this. The only thing we could do online then was shop. Yeah, exactly. I would go to sample sales and not wear anything, wear the stuff that I bought and I would just sell it on eBay. I don't even think, I tried to post something a couple of weeks ago and it never sold. I'm like, it's like obsolete now, but eBay? <laughs> I think eBay's still there. Do people still shop on it? I don't. No. But I, I do know some artists who still sell stuff, I think. I've had some jewelry designers say that they're selling on eBay. I'm like, Why? Oh <laughs> yeah. You know, in the beginning days, it was okay to do that, but it definitely is, you know, talking about building a brand. I don't know if that's really the kind of brand you want to build because it's, it has that garage sale connotation. Mm-hmm. 
This has been so awesome, Tracy. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. So I want to remind everybody that they can get their hands on the visionary code. Is, is that an audio that you have? Yeah, it's an audio download. And it's just, oh my gosh, that's like, great. Just five tips on how you can protect your creativity every day so that you're really get in that zone of thinking strategically and making more money. Beautiful. Okay. So if you want to get your hands on it, creativesruletheworld.com forward slash VC. We'll also put that in the show notes, which is shulmanart.com forward slash 59. Are there any last words you want to add before we call this episode complete? Yes. I just want to really, really reinforce the idea that your creativity is your biggest gift. And don't ever take anything personally of someone's like, oh, you want to have a business with your art. That's not like a viable business model or anything like that because the starving artist syndrome is bullshit. Your art matters and keep doing what you're best at and keep moving forward. And use your creativity in more ways than just developing your art because when you can really nurture the right side of your brain and be able to problem solve and be able to think about innovative ways to get yourself out into the world, you give yourself such a competitive advantage over everyone else. That's beautiful. Also, I just wanted to remind everybody that Tracy also has a podcast. I do. That's what I've listened to. There's some really good episodes on there. Scroll through her list of shows and there's ones on branding. There's getting ready for holiday shows and things like that. So whether you're a jewelry designer or you sell other things, you'll you'll definitely learn a lot from that. So that is the Thrive Podcast, right? It's Thrive by Design. Perfect. And uh, you can grab it by going to, this is a different URL, but thriveacademy.com forward slash Apple, and that will take you to the Apple iTunes version. You can subscribe there. You can also find it on our the thefloristhriveacademy.com website. We'll have all of these links in the show notes, including Rocket Fuel, which I have not read yet. I did buy it. it. Amy Porterfield mentioned it on our podcast a year ago, and I still haven't read it, but <laughs> I, I will be reading it. So <laughs> be it's it's okay. the best book. I swear. It's the best book. You got, it will change your life. And just one more thing about the podcast. Lots of really tactical sales advice and marketing advice for anything that you, any strategy that you want to do. Even though I'm talking to jewelry designers, it will help you even if you're an artist. Because I've had like dog treat companies reach out and say, your podcast saved my business. So that's helpful to you and you want more strategies on how to sell, I got your back there. Awesome. All right, Tracy, thanks one more time. So grateful you spent this time here with us today. Thank you. I just want to remind everyone to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any amazing episodes. We have so many guests like Tracy coming your way as well as some solo shows. So I don't want you to miss any of them. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I will see you same time, same place next week. Make it a great one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com. This episode was sponsored by The Artist Incubator. It's my small group coaching program where I help you take your art business to the next level with 
practical strategies that work. Imagine what it would feel like to be easily selling your art and profiting from your passion.